I'm gonna do the whole thing over. Hello and welcome to the Gemcast. I'm your host, Alex Knight, and this is episode 22. Today I'm joined by Aline Sims, founder of the Less Than or Equal podcast, and science fiction writer Kay Tempest Bradford. In episode 22, Intrigue at the Indy 500, Eric Raymond panics when he finds out that Starlight Music is sponsoring the world's best driver for the Indy 500, Martino Granzetti. The gamblers he's dealing with will take their displeasure out on him if their driver doesn't win the race. Stay tuned for an action-packed episode. All right, episode 22 is written by Roger Sliffer, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, who famously went on to create or or co-create the character Lobo for DC Comics and tragically died earlier this year at at 60 years old, which is way too young. Yeah, that's too young. I don't like that. That doesn't make me happy. Why do you tell me these stories, Alex? Oh, I'm sorry. Mm. I just, I, I felt like we needed to acknowledge that because he did a lot of work on Gem and then he went on to create many great things. So he did have a a fantastic career. Today we open with Pizzazz throwing darts at a headshot of Eric Raymond. Yeah. Yeah, that it was (laughs) hilarious. Roxy uh, says, you missed the bullseye. And Pizzazz says, I'm sick of looking at his ugly mug anyway. Pizzazz reaches towards a carton of eggs, grabs an egg and hurls it across the room. Instead of hitting the bullseye, the door opens at the least opportune moment, and the egg collides with Eric's face. I feel like if this was a sitcom with a live audience, they'd be laughing at that scene. Oh, yes. And it's, of course, what we've wanted to see. We really want somebody to throw many things at Eric's face, but we'll we'll settle for an egg. Yes, indeed we will. Eric tells the misfits that he has some important negotiations to conclude and that he can't afford any distractions. The misfits remind Eric that he promised the band would perform at the Indy 500 victory celebration. Eric reassures them they will, but he has to do things his way. Pizzazz insists on going to the party, of course. Why wouldn't she? But like, what kind of... I. I feel like they just want to go to this party because they weren't invited. There's literally no reason for them to go to the party. It's not their scene. Like, there's just going to be a bunch of race car drivers there. I'm sure Pizzazz does not follow NASCAR. I just feel like this is just another example of Pizzazz being bratty for no good reason. Mm -hmm. We cut to a private dinner meeting where Eric is being introduced to a rather burly man named Vice. And I just love how when they shake hands, he practically crushes every bone in his hand which is yeah it was funny they really lingered on that too like they it did. was it was yeah. an emphasized point that this guy had a grip mm-hmm. and eric tried to say i think pleasure to meet you was the, was the line he was supposed to say but he's like pressure uh, i mean pleasure to meet you <laughs> once again with this guy whoever he is in you know that he's involving himself with and this this bodyguard named Vice. I'm starting to think that Eric is from a crime family, but he's like the Fredo of the crime family. Like he's just the screw up that no one likes, really. Maybe. That is my hypothesis. That's my that... hypothesis. Because this just this whole setup is just like, what are you doing? Why are you? Why? Yeah. Vice is a handyman who cleans up when things or people 
get sloppy. Martin Granzetti, the world's greatest race car driver, is the primary concern as he never loses a race. It turns out that Eric has bribed Granzetti's sponsor to pull out from the race. Eric has entered his own driver into the race with a specially modified non-regulation engine to give him an edge. Receiving an undisclosed large sum of money, Eric places a bet on car 007. Nice Bond reference nice. there. <laughs> expecting that he'll be able to collect the winnings since he has rigged the race. A man in a terrible yellow suit drops by Eric's table to pick up the briefcase, who clearly seems to be voiced by Charlie Adler. <laughs> so... <laughs> Are we going to talk about a suit? Are we going to talk about a suit? Okay, first let's talk about the car and how, like, don't they inspect these things before? Like, yeah, we've got this modified engine that will not pass inspection. Mm. He does have a large briefcase of money, though, so... That is true. But Aline, this is a kid's show. I don't think we should question anything. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Guess what? It still doesn't make no no sense. It makes no sense. And yeah, that was my first thought, too. It's like, inspections... Do they has none? And also, <laughs> also Eric's been like, you know, I bribed the sponsor to to not sponsor that one guy in the race. I'm like, how much? OK, so how much money do you have, Eric, that you're able to do all these things just so somebody can place a bet? It, they never really state how much money is at stake here, how much could be made, because it seems like Eric has spent spent a lot of money just to be able to for them to place this bet once again the fredo the fredo of whatever crime family the raymond crime family he is the fredo of the raymond crime family i just i can't well in okay it's the indy 500 right so potentially it could be a lot of money i i don't remember what nascar was like in the mid 80s but if it's as big if it was as big then as it is now I could see where, yeah, you could potentially make some bank if you were assured of the outcome of the race. But yeah, where does he get this money? I think I think you're onto something, Tempest. Shortly after Eric's nefarious transaction takes place, an announcer notifies the entire dining hall that Granzetti's sponsor has unfortunately dropped out. However, Starlight Music has generously offered to take its place. This is a setback that Eric certainly did not expect. I suppose we are to assume that Starlight Music is in, I guess, a financially comfortable spot at this point in the Hologram's career. I do not believe it. I don't believe it at all. Additionally, how is this like good publicity? I don't understand. Like, we're Starlight Music. Our demographic is people who really love NASCAR. Like, I don't understand what this gets them. Well, I think because the Indy 500, if I remember from my youth, it's huge. Because, uh, it was huge. And it's so huge. It has one of those like crossover appeal type of deals. Because, okay. Yeah. Actually, I don't even think the Indy 500 is part of NASCAR specifically. Like, I think there's some other kind of car thing happening with Indy 500. But anyway, I just remember like that was one of the few mainstream like car racing things that would happen every now and then. And so I could see how like it might be good publicity for them. But I still question how they have any kind of money for this. They still only have one act and they are funneling all their money to the orphans uh, or the foster girls. So where do they have this money to like sponsor this dude and to build a car i gotta say it, i think it's a complete loss that granzetti did not have an italian accent granzetti to win the race for you <laughs> now i regret that too 
Well, we cut to a Gem in the Holograms music video called I'm Coming From Behind. What did the two of you think of the song and the video? There are so many double entendre jokes that we could make. I'm so glad Tempest brought it up because I didn't want to bring it up, but that's where my mind went. <laughs> I, I just kind of sat here kind of side-eyeing the screen because, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was okay. I uh, like the song. It's, it's pretty peppy. And, you know, Jem is doing her little dance around the room. At one point, she, like, dances up to Eric, and she's like, Wink, I know that you're up to something terrible because you always are. I'm going <laughs> to wink at you. Um, I'm also... But I I started to realize as I was watching this music video that uh, clearly the B-team animators animated this one. So I'm like, what? Everybody, their their bodies are all weird. And even those those, those dresses should look good on them. They kind of don't... But it's okay, because the song is pretty peppy. Yeah, Justin was like, why is she wearing bread-based jellyfish on her shoulders? It was like, I really don't know. But it does look like bread-based jellyfish. It's the 80s. There were things on everyone's shoulders in the 80s. I don't know why, but we all had things on our shoulders. It was a time when shoulders were in need of beginning and protecting extra warmth you you lose yeah. a lot of a lot of a lot of heat through the shoulders and so you need extra padding yeah. there the song was fine I, I thought it was good i like the the gem song later better than this one when they're yeah when they're putting the car together but it was it was not bad outside the auto club the misfits try to figure out a way to get inside pizzazz decides that they should steal the rock and roadster and crash it into the club now, did Jem leave the keys in the ignition, or are they experts at hotwiring vehicles? Are you kidding me? Do you know Pizzazz? She knows how to hotwire a vehicle. Forget Pizzazz. Roxy knows how to hotwire a vehicle. <laughs> Come on. I mean, I, I actually don't doubt that Jem probably would leave the keys in the car because it was a simpler time. Even though they seem to be on the East Coast, as we talked about last week, they don't actually seem to be in New York City. Actually, no, they're in Indianapolis. So they're probably like, oh, this is the Midwest. We can just leave the keys in the car. It's all right. Inside the club, Granzetti thanks Jem, the Holograms, and Jerrica for their support. As without them, he wouldn't be racing in the Indy 500. When Granzetti asks where Jerrica is, since she earlier told him she would be there, Jem says Jerrica must be around somewhere. At that moment, the misfits crash through the front doors of the club in the rocking roadster. The misfits take the roadster for a joyride, colliding into tables and nearly hitting a few patrons. And Pizzazz yells from the car, that will teach you not to invite the misfits to your party. Granzetti quickly reacts, jumps into one of the cars propped onto a stage, starts the engine, and races after the misfits. Whilst all of this is happening, my question is, how large is this club? At the speed that it looks like they're going, (laughs) it seems like the chase lasts for an unusually long period of time. This is just cartoon logic i think we run up against yes yes it is absolutely the misfits launch off of a table acting as a ramp and crash into the kitchen spectacular by the way the kitchen staff apprehend the misfits and they are ejected from the club along with eric raymond after they admitted their involvement with him i love how pizzazz by the way says let's go pizza brain (laughs) oh yes and then she called them savages or something but they throw her something out. like that savages you're like um 
You drove a car into the inside of a building, but they're the savages. Oh, pizzazz. Your egomania knows no bounds, and it's why we love you. <laughs> yeah. The gambler involved with Eric is unsure of how well he has the situation under control, so he enlists Vice to sabotage Granzetti's vehicle. And we actually get to see Vice kind of tearing apart the car by hand, including destroying the brake calibers. His strength is inhuman. Uh, yeah, With his I bare actually, hands, he's tearing apart brake calipers and bolts are coming out. I mean, His okay, name is fine. Vice. His name is Vice. Also, I think the body model for Vice might have been Andre the Giant. Yeah, he's massive. <laughs> he's a big guy. I could see him just tearing stuff apart by hand. This is just what happens when there's like evil shady gamblers around. Evil shady gamblers the kids show they they seem to think that the kids are going to recognize the stereotype of the right. shitty gambler with his shady bodyguard named vice who's a handyman who he told to go handle it and then he goes and handles it and i'm like wow the, do they really expect kids to understand the shorthand going on here no i mean yeah but no they won't cut to the start of the indy 500 qualifier grand Zeddy sets off in the starlight special during the qualifier, Granzetti loses control of the car and crashes, knocking down the podium that Rio was on. Apparently, he was trying to snap some photos. The Starlight, <laughs> the Starlight special sounds like something they'd serve in the Starlight uh... diner. Yeah, yeah. Jericho's yeah. new business venture, <laughs> or but even you know, the company cafeteria or something. Yes, today's special, the Starlight special, insubstantive and sugary. <laughs> It's cotton candy, the color of Jem's hair. This is your nutrition for the day. Thank you for being a Starlight Music employee. Please pass down to the left. And also to, well, to your point, Aline, about the lack of inspections, nobody inspected that tire. No one like gave that car any kind of last once over before they took it to the track. And I, I probably don't need to remind everybody, but car racing is dangerous. They triple check everything because it's mm. dangerous even without mechanical failure. So whoever's people die. in the, people die. Whoever's in the pit crew for Starlight Music fired. After the accident, Jerica shows up at the hospital to visit Rio, but she's surprised to see Granzetti in a full body cast. Uh, apparently she thought it was Rio's room. On the other side of the room, though, we do see Rio in a leg cast, and Jerica embraces Rio, and they kiss. And I like <laughs> Rio. His dialogue in that line says, uh, mm, remind me to be in a car crash every week. And Jerica says, oh, you. <laughs> just, can we all, can, can we <laughs> pretend that Rio died in that crash? Like, let's just pretend that Rio died in that crash. And every other time we see him in this episode, it's just the ghost of Rio. Spooky ghost. And yeah. I, I like how Jerrica walks in that room and, and is like, I, I thought this was Rio's room. And like, uh, Jerrica, Rio is like three or four feet away next to him. Also, he's the only guy with purple hair I've seen on the show. His purple like, hair is very special. It's very <laughs> special purple hair. It is. It's a very special purple hair. And so, like, you look and you see there are two people in the room. And you're like, the one without the purple hair is clearly the one I want to be talking to right now. Kissing up on. <laughs> Jerrica apologizes to Martino for asking him to race and feels partly responsible. Jerrica is furious. The police have said the car was tampered with. Jerrica angrily throws a bouquet of flowers to the ground and blames Eric for the accident. But Rio questions this and says it's not Eric's style. 
But is it really beyond what Eric would be willing to do? Let's examine his past behavior. It really, really isn't. They have kidnapped the holograms on several, several occasions. There have been times when people almost died and Eric was the one who sent them to their almost death. Mm-hmm. I'm like really Bulldozers. messing with a car. Bulldozers. Bulldozers. Like, messing with a car is not Eric's style since when? Yeah. Well, that just proves Rio hasn't really been present all that much. Rio is not paying attention. No. Rio is, you know, it's because of that whole machismo business. He's just like, well, Eric isn't a macho guy like me. So therefore, he could never do anything as macho as messing up a car because cars, macho-ness. Rio asks Jerrica what she's going to do now that the car is wrecked and Granzetti is out of the race. But Jerrica is unsure what to do and she does know that she's not going to give up. She then hands Rio the broken bouquet of flowers. She's like, oh, by the way, these are for you. Yeah, that was really weird. That was weird. It's a metaphor. For their broken relationship, their yes. fragmented relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, we cut to the garage at the racetrack where Jerrica and the holograms have gathered to rebuild the Starlight Special. Oh, my God. Jerrica <laughs> calls for Synergy's help and requests the blueprints for the car before it went through the accident. The holograms begin the rebuild and we cut to a gem in the holograms music video called Back in Shape. Okay. What do the two of you think of the song and the video? No, no, we can't talk about the song yet. We have to talk about the <laughs> fact that there are, there are four ladies who do not know anything about car maintenance, repair, or building, rebuilding a car that is literally scrap metal. Aline, help me out here. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, I don't know, Tempest. I personally asked my hologram to provide some blueprints uh, so I can, like, in a 3D way. It's like one of those 3D puzzles, you know, that has made of foam. <laughs> And and you just you put the parts together and this is the thing I do frequently and and then I drive the car off off <laughs> the road. Um but yeah, it's it it's kinda ridiculous, but on the other hand I was like, that's kinda cool. Like like I could just I could just have synergy make it like a Lego thing and then project it and then I could build it. And that would be really fun. Not a car, but in defense of the holograms I mean, you do see in the video that Synergy is directing them, uh, like she's creating holograms and showing them where parts go. Right. And Synergy okay. is the internet. Yeah. She yeah, is exactly. The- it's like, um, you know, uh, the equivalent of looking at, uh, I don't know, Wikipedia or something. Yeah, but you need to know, like, how much to tighten a thing. And that's a thing you do by feel or, you know, how how this gasket should actually look. And, you know, th- there's there's a, a whole base of not. I mean, this is why not everybody is a home mechanic, because there's a lot of nuance and a lot of stuff you have to know to actually be able to do it right. Right. And plus, this car was broken. Like it had crashed into a thing. Some parts of it were on fire. One so would they argue weren't it- just like Legoing it up. They also had to repair the and this is a right. fine precision machine that can apparently outrace any car in the world and possibly the universe, as we see later in this episode. So they just, they pick up, they're like, we can do it. The only thing I like about this and what I think is the point of all this is that, you know, it's like, well, you can do anything as long as you set your mind to it. And you're like, I am committed to doing this thing. And it's very sort of gung ho and very girl power. And it, and it kind of goes with other things we've seen the holograms do randomly, mm. like 
all of a sudden they're able to like swim faster than anyone in the world because they're like super awesome that way and so i I get that it's like that's what they're kind of as like sort of an aspirational girl power type (laughs) of thing but at the same time i'm like you all don't know how to build a car will you stop it All you need is a can-do attitude and synergy. I agree with you, Tempest, on the girl power thing, though I've actually found this more believable. The fact that they did show synergy guiding them, and, you know, obviously synergy can talk them through it. So I found that more believable. What I didn't find believable, which we already talked about, was the, the actual shape of the vehicle as it came in looked like it was perhaps possibly beyond repair like in terms of frame damage the other thing we don't know of course obviously because this episode is like you know 22 minutes and there's only so much they can explain but we don't know how much time there is between the start of the rebuild and the start of the actual indy 500 race Uh, i mean in the next scene here we actually do see after the video Rio drops by the garage and is really impressed because he didn't expect the holograms to finish the rebuild of the Starlight Special before the race. But, of course, again, like, all we know is that there's an assumed short period of time, but we really don't know how long that is. Is it 24 hours? Is it 48 hours? Is it a week? We don't know. I think they said something about it being a couple of days, more like 48 hours, because, like, the qualifying things happen right before the race, like, very soon before the race. So that is what, and that's what makes it like, oh, you guys just, you did it. And I will say, I love a music montage of things getting done. We can mm-hmm. talk about the music now because now we, I've gotten all of my feelings away. But uh, I actually like the song. I, I love song. this song. It's, it's got song. such a catchy hook. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about before sometimes how annoying certain songs can be with repeat lyrics. But this is one of those songs where I think the song, it, it like the actual melody is good enough that it, that doesn't bother me. Well, and I feel like the ones we complain about, it's really short phrases. You know, like three or four word phrases that they repeat over and over and over again. And it didn't seem, I'm thinking about it and I'm probably going to have to eat my words that like this whole, whole song was composed of like five words and that was it. But, uh, but it, yeah, it didn't seem repetitive. It felt like there was more room and maybe it was the tempo. Like there's, I don't know, there's more room for it to breathe and kind of not great. Yeah. Yeah. The entire video really encapsulates the 80s perfectly in terms of quite frequently in a lot of movies and stuff like that. We would always have a montage scene. So I thought, I thought that was great. Yeah. It's very, it's very cool that the 80s montage, I'll give it that. Rio asks the band who is going to drive the car in the Indy 500 since Granzetti is in the hospital. And of course, Rio's leg is still in a cast. Wait a minute. Rio, let's have a discussion. Come here, son. <laughs> Let's talk for a minute. What makes you think that you were going to be the one who is driving that car? And just because your leg is busted, somehow that's going to mess up some pre-existing plan. What do you know about driving cars along racetracks, sir? Why did you assume that? I need to know. Well, Tempest, Tempest. I'm a guy. That means that I can drive in a race. It's not like it's a skilled thing or anything. Oh, no. So so Rio. Yeah, yeah, Rio, playing Gran Turismo on your PlayStation doesn't count. <laughs> it really does not. <laughs> or I guess back then it would have been... Uh, pole position on the Atari Super Nintendo. Yeah. No, pole position on the Atari 3000. That is oh why my god, that's thinks. perfect. That is why he thinks he could drive this car. <laughs> well, we cut to the start of the Indy 500, and we see Eric checking on the car he 
earlier place to bid on, which is, of course, the 007. And there's a little interchange here between Eric and Pizzazz and, of course, Roxy. And he says, there's my man, car number 007. And Pizzazz <laughs> says, what's that empty space next to him? And Eric says, that's the pole position where Martino was supposed to be before his unfortunate accident. Pizzazz says, don't look now, Eric, but Martino's car is back in the race. And Roxy says, and Jem's driving it. Okay, 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 okay. Did did y'all notice Pizzazz's binoculars? Because they were amazing. <laughs> they, I did not. They, Please explain. Okay, she's got like these cat eye, purple, I don't know, sparkly binoculars that she's that she is using to observe this. And I don't know where she got those, but I need them. Mm-hmm. desperately in my life yes. somebody on etsy please if you're hearing this make those binoculars yes that i binoculars <laughs> it was amazing why is jim driving <laughs> let's not beat that because to death Come she on. has a can-do attitude to <laughs> all right if you put your mind to it anything can happen and knowing is half the battle gi joe <laughs> you're crossing Wait, your why is gi joe in a gym episode <laughs> never mind as the race begins, Eric asks the misfits if they want any refreshments. Pizzazz requests a hot dog with mustard, and she's very adamant about not forgetting the mustard. Don't forget the mustard. It's important. As Eric heads for the hot dog stand, we see a hot dog vendor giving away a hot dog on the house to what looks like an underage blonde girl. The vendor then proceeds to bend over the counter and stare at her whilst she walks away. Did anyone find this creepy? Super. Yeah, Justin was like, why is he checking out her ass? Like, I don't understand. I think it's just to ramp up the, this guy's not a good guy. I mean, the last time we saw him, he was wearing a horrendous suit, right? So clearly that's clue number one. That was foreshadowing for, I think, what it clearly explains what type of person he is in this next scene. Because Eric rushes towards Harry, the hot dog vendor, and asks if he can place a bet on Jem's car. Harry agrees since he takes a commission from every bet anyways. Eric hands Harry a wad of bills, but I found this a bit peculiar. Eric seems to think he's in the clear now, but at the beginning of the episode, we saw Eric hand an entire briefcase of cash to place a bet on card 007. Right, he's just changing. Yeah, he's even just changing with large that. bills, that handful of bills Eric gave to Harry could never be equal to the sum of money in the briefcase, which presumably was hundreds of thousands of dollars, unless, I guess, maybe... It was it, all ones. Yeah, I was going to say, it, 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 each, each just, bill, yeah. they were all ones. No, no, he's, just, he's changing his bet. Like, he's saying, take that same money that I gave you, but instead of betting on 007, bet on Jem. Mm-hmm. And the, the money that he hands him is the commission part. Oh, yes. Okay, you're okay. right. Yep. Yeah. Okay, that clears that up. Eric heads back to the bleachers where the misfits are, and he's humming a song. He seems to be very happy about something. Pizzazz asks what he's so happy about since Jim is in the lead. Eric reassures Pizzazz that everything is fine, but then Pizzazz calls him a jerk for forgetting her hot dog. Pizzazz is fed up and refuses to let Little Miss Perfect win the victory celebration. So she takes off and Eric chases after her. Once again, I'm like, Pizzazz, come on, find some other thing to obsess about. But what I really question is why Eric just doesn't tell her. He's like, look, I've got, there's got to be bets. Bets have got to happen. Money. 
whatever but maybe he feels like she wouldn't understand she has all this money she doesn't understand money problems she probably also doesn't understand what it's like to be like the messed up one in the raymond crime family who can't get anything right and he just needs to like get this one score right i love that you're still rolling with that raymond crime family thing that's awesome fan fiction about the raymond crime family at this point Back at the race, an announcer informs the crowd that the leaders are pulling in for their first pit stop. Jem pulls in and uh, says, tank me up fast so I can get back out there. And the 007 driver says, that Jem Dame is killing me. Pizzazz, of course. Dame. I know. I know. (laughs) Because it's like the 20s. Pizzazz says, uh, what's wrong with you? Don't you know how to drive? Get out of there. And fed up with car 007 and its driver, Pizzazz, forces him out of the car. She puts on his helmet and takes over, pulling away and yelling at the other drivers, telling them to get out of her way. Pizzazz drives recklessly, causing mayhem and many other of the competing cars to crash. The announcer says, due to some very daring maneuvers, 007 is now in the lead. Of course, there are are now a lot less cars in the race. The yellow caution light is on, ladies and gentlemen, while the track is cleared of the cars 007 left in its wake. And now we cut to Eric, who is watching the race from the sidelines and is clearly afraid for his life. And I love that he says, oh, don't say wake. We can see Vice in the bleachers gesturing at Eric that he's going to hurt him. This episode is real, real dark. When you think about what's going on behind, like the whole thing with Eric is a dark episode. It's as dark as Eric's hair. <laughs> I thought you were going to say his heart. And I was going to be like, aww. Uh, Maybe it's you're right. I should have said that. Eyebrows. <laughs> as dark and lush as his eyebrows. <laughs> Well, here's a question that I have because I don't watch car racing, but don't you like get points taken off or get taken out of the race if you like mess up other people's cars on purpose? I I, because the way that the rest of this race goes, like with Pizzazz, like doing, you know, she does horrible things when she pulls out and then, you know, she does horrible things to Jem's car. And I was like, I realize that they are riffing on Ben Hur here. But do the rules of the chariot race and Ben-Hur apply to the Indy 500? I don't actually know the answer to that. I I was curious. I love that that's your concern. But the fact that the first vehicle on the scene of the wreckage was a tow truck to remove the wreckage, but there's no ambulance in sight. Look, what happened to the driver? We can't be we can't be worried about those people. I mean, they live or die by the wheel. So, yeah, they knew what they were getting into when they signed up for this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the track is now cleared of the wreckage and the race continues as the green flag is waved. Car 007 is in the lead with the Starlight Special trailing close behind in position. uh, Sorry, in the second position. Jem performs a very dangerous move as she attempts to pass Pizzazz on her right. Pizzazz rams Jem's front left wheel, causing her to lose control of the vehicle and crash into another, losing her spot at number two. It looks like Jem is out of the race. From the bleachers, Eric is astonished at the events that have unfolded in front of his eyes. It looks like Pizzazz may in fact win the race. Eric rushes over to Harry and pleads him to change his bet back to car 007. And Jem desperately tries to dislodge another tire that's stuck Uh, to her car and successfully manages to do so but limps back to the pit stop she gets out of the car and embraces rio and clearly she's quite shaken when both actually are 
quite shaken from the event. The race goes on with Pizzazz in the lead, but it doesn't look like much of a race anymore with so few cars on the track. Again, this race is getting just more and more ridiculous. Right? <laughs> the Indy 500, there are only three cars. Oh, well. It's, it's tough. <laughs> well, we get an, another music video this time. It is by The Misfits, and it's called Ahead of the Game. What did the two of you think of the song and the video? I like the song. Yeah, the song is really good. Um, it's not one of my top 11 favorites, but it is a really good song. I love how it's all about, once again, just pizzazz being pretty awesome. And she's like, look, you just these are things you got to do to come out ahead. And she's right about a lot of the things you got to do to come out ahead. But. Pizzazz is often right. There's, I, I actually don't think that there's a but. I think, that, unfortunately, this is one of those times where she's like, pizzazz was right but she's gonna lose anyway because she's pizzazz because she does it wrong like she's right but her implementation is poor well see again i i have to ask is it is that an illegal move in car racing like jumping up against somebody else and sending them careening off to whatever is that not something you're allowed to do i, I don't not on purpose so. if they can yeah. prove it but they the thing is in this episode they don't prove that as far as i know or did they because I, I don't remember the announcer saying that no. pizzazz on purpose ram Jem's car because it's hard it's kind of hard to see right because they don't they don't have cameras everywhere they can't see every angle and the ha race is happening so fast i feel like the this episode is trying to expose the fact that the racing commission is not doing its job they mm -hmm. don't inspect the cars they don't call anybody for doing illegal moves like bumping into other people and crashing all their cars. This episode was about exposing corruption. Did anyone listen? I don't remember any news stories about the Jim Spurred inquest. So sad. Yeah. Missed opportunity. After a quick pit stop, Jim re-enters the race in the Starlight Special and attempts to regain her position, whilst hopefully besting pizzazz in car 007. Miraculously, Jim manages to regain her number two position, but pizzazz is still leading at number one by more than a lap. It's looking rather hopeless for a victory by Jim at this point. Or is it? <laughs> Never. Never. But also, like, not only does she rejoin the race, but she rejoins the race in a car that's been patched together with band-aids and spit. Rio is even like, this car is not safe. And she's like, no, nah, it's fine. Let's go. Because, <laughs> you know, we, we talk a lot about Pizzazz's um, obsession with besting Jem to, like, her detriment most of the time. But in this situation, Jem is, like, putting her life and other people's lives in danger just to beat pizzazz we're not given any other stakes in this like i i don't know if the car loses if starlight music like gets less publicity and therefore they, they lose their investment in the sponsorship or if you know the car wins if starlight music gets part of that purse so that they can like you know fix deidre's ears because she has some dangerous ear disease you know none of that is going on so it's like why is jem so freaking desperate to win that she puts her own life in danger i want to know she's just fed up she's just done maybe jem pulls up to pizzazz and calls upon synergy to create a distraction we see a hologram of a teeny tiny pizzazz floating in front of pizzazz's <laughs> face tiny pizzazz is supposed to be her conscience or inner voice, if you will. Her conscious asked Pizzazz, don't you think it's time you started playing fair? When the figure floating in front of her admits to being her conscience, Pizzazz claims she doesn't have one and tells it to scram. Mm -hmm. As she waves away the figure, she loses sight of the race and falls behind. 
Now, Jim pulls ahead at this point, but the green flag is out, indicating that there's only one lap left. How is Jim going to make up for an entire lap lost? Seems impossible. Uh. Well, can we, can we talk about how how Synergy is now employing like psychological warfare <laughs> in her distractions? Yes. And also, how is that not cheating? Right. Like, basically, she's cheating because I mean, I know the pizzazz, you know, knocked her, you know, around and whatnot. But now Jem is cheating in order to get ahead of pizzazz. I, it's fair be- game at this point, though. I mean, they started it, right? So they started it. This, this is like <laughs> is the that indie- our lesson for young girls? <laughs> they started it. You can fuck around with someone mentally. Sorry. You. Can- <laughs> <laughs> I really try not to say bad words. I really try not to curse. <laughs> Anyway, you could do that like with anyone. I don't even remember my point anymore. Sorry. <laughs> it's their fair game. That was the point. Is that fair game because of right. I I feel like this is uh, this is kind of along the lines of of what Alex always talks about with how men are always like repulsed by pizzazz, but there's no real reason for men to be repulsed by pizzazz. Like they might, you know, see her behavior and be like, "Huh." That's not the kind of person that I want to spend my time with. But like literally Pizzazz will walk up to a man. She'd be like, hey. And he's like, oh, Jesus, you're just a Quasimodo. And you're like, what's wrong with you? So I feel like it's it's sort of like that general attitude where whatever Jem does to Pizzazz is okay because Pizzazz is a bad person. And we all know that she's a bad person. We spent 22 episodes proving that she's a bad person and therefore it's all right. But I don't know. I feel like it's it's still cheating. Well, let's hold on for a sec. Let's not be too generous about P- Pizzazz's personality about how men find her you know repulsive i mean yes she's she's attractive and i'm sure some some guys would would go for her regardless of personality but i mean i mean she's not a very nice person right right but i mean you know there there have been a couple times that you pointed out alex and let's not listeners let's not forget that alex has a huge crush on pizzazz but anyway Mm. i don't know what you're talking about has pointed out in the past you know it won't even be people who even know Pizzazz. Like, was it, remember that guy who was the, the star of the gem movie before Pizzazz and whatever took it over? She goes, she's like, hi. And he's like, ugh. And like, he hasn't, she hasn't said anything. She's just like, hey. And he's all like, gross. Yeah, but that guy was a dick to begin with, though. That's true. I don't know. There are people I have met in my life who I instantaneously was just like, this is someone I need to stay away from. I can't tell you why, but this is not a person that I'm ever going to want to associate with. And I've yeah. always been right when I've heated that. I have regretted yeah. not listening to that voice. But there are sometimes just people that you know. Yeah, they are have just a vibe. Bad news, yeah. That is an excellent point. Well, let's move on. Eric runs over to Harry and begs him to once again change his bet. But this time, Harry refuses and said it's far too late. Eric gives Harry his entire wallet, at which point he's handed a hot dog, although Eric believes it's a receipt for his bet change. I wrote Does down receipt mustard? because like earlier when he changed his bet, Harry handed him a piece of paper. So I just yeah, assumed it, that's got to be. I think be... it is a receipt. Yeah. 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 What, I, has to be. What, what I find interesting about this is that like, okay, so he's willing to change a bet up until, I don't know, the last five laps of the race. Which is kind of like, uh, all right, but then it's too late. But he takes Eric's wallet anyway, because I would. Uh, anybody would take <laughs> Eric's wallet. I mean, the, the dude deserves it. But what I find interesting is like everybody is super in awe of Jem 
like br- literally breaking Indy 500 records. And this is this is not the Jeff breaks records wherever she goes. Remember when mm-hmm. when Gem and the Holograms broke some Olympic records? No, that was that was possessed. <laughs> Olympic records with her with her springy shoes or whatever. It's like, you know, it's just real easy. And and how is the Starlight Special like such an amazing car that it can I like outlap know. everybody? Well, is, is it running on Let's get to that cuz we're juice? we're coming to that point now. <laughs> Smoothies and cocaine. <laughs> well, Gem appears, like you said, Tempest, to be breaking all previous indie speed records as she dogs pizzazz, but she's still five seconds behind the leader. As this announcement is made, the rear right tire on the Starlight Special comes loose. Gem floors it and loses control as the rear tire flies off. But fortunately for Jim, her car loses control and she slides into first place and and closes on the finish line. A group of people run to the scene of the crash, pull an unconscious... I can never say that word right. A group of people run to the scene of the crash and pull an unconscious gem from the wreckage and make it to safety before the Starlight Special explodes. Of course it does. After the race in Car 007's garage, Eric Raymond is met by Vice and the Gambler. It looks like Eric is going to have what's coming to him as Vice grabs a crowbar and bends it around his neck. Very impressive, sir. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Okay, so once again, this it got so dark so quickly. Mm-hmm. He was going to beat him with that tire iron, not just wrap it around him. Like, Eric was about to get a beating. Eric actually might have been almost killed. He, he would have been almost killed. Uh, but before things go wrong, Pizzazz drives into the garage and corners Eric. Pizzazz begins berating Eric and his failed efforts. So the gambler and Vice decide to walk away, leaving Eric in Pizzazz's very capable hands. I guess that that's punishment enough, right? Um, I mean, how you, um, you were going to beat this guy to death with a crowbar, and now you're just going to assume everything's going to go according to plan? The pizzazz is going to kill him. I think that they either thought the pizzazz was going to kill him, or they think that getting yelled at by a woman is worse than getting beat by a tire iron. Mm. Mm, if that's the case, that's even worse. That's a, that's an even worse message. Yeah, this but I can't episode. tell which one it is. <laughs> We conclude with Jem accepting the trophy for the number one position in the Indy 500. The crowd is cheering for her, and she accepts the award on behalf of Martino Granzetti, which I can't believe until now I've, I haven't mentioned how hilarious his last name is. But anyways, Rio walks over to the front of the podium, still in crutches, by the way, to congratulate Jem, and Rio says to her, do I get to kiss the victor? Oh, God, just keeping Rio, Rio just making everything worse. But did you notice what they what they said to to Jem when they gave her the trophies? They said, you're the first rock and roll star. What about the first <laughs> woman? And so I looked it up. And if if Jem were a real person, she would indeed have been the first woman to win the Indy 500. As a matter of fact, when this cartoon aired, she would have been only the second ever woman who raced in the Indy 500. There was a woman in the late 70s who qualified and was able to race, but it wasn't until the ni- like 1992 when uh, the next woman qualified to be in the race. Other women attempted it, but only it, it, Wikipedia says that it wasn't until 1992 that another woman qualified to race in the Indy 500. So once again, we like we have this little bit of interesting girl power 
where, I mean, Jem didn't actually really qualify, so it's all messed up anyway. But if we're going to set that aside, it's a little bit of girl power, but they don't really mention the fact that she would have been the first woman, not just the first rock and roll star, but maybe that was kind of where this, like, where this guy was going. Like, he never really specifically says, like, girl power activate. It's just these women are doing stuff and they can take care of it themselves. So maybe he didn't want to, like, call attention to the fact that she'd be the first woman because it's just like, whatever, women can do whatever. And we don't even have to mention that she's a woman, but we do need to mention that she's a rock and roll star. Well, I wish she said girl power activate. How cool would, have, would that have been? That would have been awesome. Well, do either of you have any closing thoughts? Sound like I, I wasn't sure if it was Aline that sounded like you wanted to say something, but. Oh, uh, I, I just think that Gambler and Vice would be like a really cool song. <laughs> I like that. You got to know when to hold them, know when to crowbar them, <laughs> know when to walk away because pizzazz rolled in with a car. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, my God. We need to record that. I think we did. Uh, we just did. Yeah. You're right. Uh -huh. Recorded for posterity. Well, that's it for this week, but... Let's just take a quick pit stop, if you will. See what I did there? No, we won't. It's not a thing we're going to do, Alex. Let's, uh, let's slow down into first gear. Uh, so I just wanted to uh, broach a sensitive, slightly sensitive topic. We did receive a piece of feedback from a listener. Uh, he did leave his name in the email. I don't know if he wanted to. I assume that he's fine with disclosing his name, but I'm going to leave it out anyways because I yeah, think that's not. it's completely irrelevant. It's just feedback. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit, but his general feedback was that he he thought that, uh, that we're a little bit too hard on the show in general, that um, you know, I, I think uh, one of the things that we, that we do on this show, obviously, we, we kind of dissect and analyze the show and try to figure out what are the motivations for the characters doing certain things. And, and obviously, you know, because the show is a product of its time and it was a kid's show with a limited budget, I mean, there, there are plenty of things that we can criticize. But I think it, it made me feel like maybe we're not or perhaps we gave the impression that we're not fans of the show. And that's really completely the opposite because I think I, I mean, I speak for all of us that clearly we are big enough fans because we wanted to do this podcast. And I think we have a lot of fun talking about the show, but we talk about positive things and we also talk about a lot of negative things as well. But I think that's just kind of adds to the whole fun about, discussing a show that we we grew up with because our views now as adults and our perspectives are going to be clearly very different from when we saw these shows as kids because we didn't know any better as kids we were naive we didn't know how the world works we we didn't have a clear understanding of all the different nuances of the plot points and plot holes we just kids don't see a lot of those kind of things and and clearly we do so i feel like I feel like we would be doing this podcast uh, a disservice if we didn't bring up any of those topics. Now, does it mean the show's that too negative in general? I don't know. I'd like to hear from both of you. Um, well, so a lot of this criticism was actually addressed to me or at me. Um, and I'm going to quote just a little bit. I am sure Aline is a great friend and a lovely person, but I continue to question her presence in your program. So. First of all, um, 
Like, you're welcome not to listen if you don't like any of the hosts. That's not anything that any of us are going to judge you for. Um, you know, not everybody's going to like me all the time. Um, but I, I feel like that's kind of unfair because I feel like we're all harsh <laughs> at times. And I think it's deserved. I reject the notion that kids programming cannot be smart and thoughtful and, um, and not full of plot holes and, you know, can actually make sense. I think that a lot of modern kids pro- programming proves that. And yeah, it was the eighties, but I was a little kid in the eighties. I was not an adult. I, I didn't know what was going on, as Alex already said. And, um, you know, something that we don't talk about is things like the comic book series, the current comic book series, which I love. Like, I, love the comic book series it is freaking amazing and i think everybody should be reading it because it's got like we a ver- should actually talk about it too. Oh. that should be our that should be a thing that we should have on the gem cats we're like and now we're going to talk about the comics but anyway, it continue. is it is it is freaking amazing it's got different body types things that are are insinuated on the show are just like out there like kimber is gay it's not a big deal she you know she and stormer are kind of meeting in secret it's not a big deal. That's a slight spoiler. I think it starts in like the second issue. Sorry. But like, it, it's just, it's amazing. And it's everything that I want the cartoon to be, but it isn't. And, you know, that that's just how it is. And I'm sorry, I don't like Britta's head voice. I, I don't. Um, I think she's a good singer. I don't like the 80s style in general. Um, that's my opinion. You don't have to like it. And I think you, I mean, to be fair, I think, I mean, also in, in your defense, because I think, I mean, this, this is fact. I mean, you can go back and listen to older episodes when, when you mentioned that you didn't like some of the, the, the higher register stuff, or maybe you just didn't like, like you said, I mean, her, you know, you've, you've said very, very clearly in previous episodes that, that you obviously like respect her as a singer and that you do Absolutely. think she's a good vocalist, but maybe it's just that it's, it's, it's her voice matched with that style of music or mm-hmm. that particular song that just doesn't happen to be your favorite thing in the world. And that's okay. I mean, I mean, Aline, you've heard samples of like Britta's current, um, solo music, right? I mean, she's, oh, she's very, she's very different though. It's different music. And so, I mean, if you, I don't know if the person that wrote into us, I don't know if maybe you, um, you interpreted her comments as like she, she's a bad singer because I don't, I don't think that that's what, that's what you intended. I don't think that you said that at all. Um, so I think it's, this is just, this boils down to a matter of, of preference and, you know, there's, there's really a, not much more to say about that. Well, no, actually, I think it's, it's a little, it's a little bit something else. And, um, this is something that you, you encounter with people who've been fans of a thing for a really long time, fans of a thing that, uh, comes out of their youth, uh, particularly their childhood and they have very specific feelings about um and and also stuff that comes out of a particular time period this uh letter actually reminded me of something that happened a few months ago um right around the time that that the tempest challenge happened um where a, a cartoonist he he does like a lot of different you know he has a web comic but it's not like an ongoing series and he does a lot of different types of things and he's a geeky type person and he did this four panel comic where it was like james kirk sitting on the bridge of the enterprise and he's like 
oh yes, you know, here in the future, such a bastion of uh, progressive inclusiveness. You know, we have so much diversity here. We have like a white guy from Iowa and a white guy, a Scottish <laughs> white guy and a Southern white guy and a white guy with pointy ears. And, you know, like so many different types of white people. He's like, but if we also have a black chick answering the phones, diversity and a bunch of people like gave this man. Oh, my God, there was such a hate on for this comic. And I understood some of it. Like some people were upset because they were like, well, uh, you did completely erase Sulu, which he did. He didn't mention Sulu. Um, and then other people were like, but you have to understand at the time it was. And I'm like, you everybody needs to take their at the time and they need to put a sock in it because mm -hmm. yes, at the time X, Y, Z, but guess what? We're not still in that time. We're looking at things in, you know, the present looking back on the past and it is okay to criticize things for not being, um, for not living up to, let's say like the, the standards that we have now while still acknowledging that like for the time they were great or, or even just saying, we wish they could have done it better back then. We wish they could have had the resources. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and even this, the, a lot of the stuff that we criticize Jem for is not even really necessarily about like, oh, it's a 30 year old cartoon. Oh, it's the A's or whatever. It's, you know, just it's it's stuff. It, and it's it's all stuff that we wouldn't necessarily expect the cartoon to have addressed at the time anyway. Because like this came out of like a very particular type of style, um, a particular space. There are a lot of things that Jem does really well and gets right, and there's a lot of gems things that that Jem doesn't do all so well. And I think it's it's fine to nitpick that as long as you just are in the right you're in the right headspace for it. But the thing is, is that I feel like there are some people who just want to remember how great a thing was and they don't want to be too analytical about it. And they just want to talk about all the things that they loved and that's fine, but that's a different podcast than yep. this one. Uh, and even me, like I have all the love of gem going back to when I was, you know, seven years old and first watching the episodes. But I, even when I was seven, I was like, what they did. How come Shayna has to be with Anthony? How come the black man shows up? And he's the only one that she can be with. Even at seven years old, I noticed things like that. They are things that should be mentioned. Um, they're things that we should talk about. And, and I'm not, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily direct criticism, but, uh, you know, the, I think the way we bring it up, it's like, okay, we're, we're not attacking any individual creative person that worked on the show. We're, all we're doing is we're taking the show at face value and we're presenting these facts to you and saying, this is what happened in the episode. This is, you know, and we're going to call out some things that are not necessarily a good thing, like, like what you just mentioned. Uh, so that doesn't mean that we don't like the show. That doesn't mean that we have a personal vendetta about any individual who wrote the show. We, that doesn't mean that we think the writers are terrible and that they don't know how to write a plot. I just think that in general, like, and, and Gem is not the only show from the eighties, uh, that, that was problematic in many ways. You can go look at Transformers. You can go look at GI Joe. They all had a ton of issues. And let's face it at that time when those cartoons were being, basically pumped out on a weekly basis uh they had very they have very little time to make these shows and 
you know, the reality is those shows just don't have the same standards. 30 years ago, they did not have the same kind of quality standards that they do today. And the perfect example of this is My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. That is a good example of a show that has been rebooted based on a previous IP. And it's extremely high quality. And it's, and I, and I know this also not from just watching it, but from, I, I personally, you know, I, in a previous relationship, I was involved with someone who was an animator on that show. And I know the inside workings of that show and the director who was involved with that. And I know that the absolute, they were so hard on the animators to get things right. And it just, they were perfectionists. And by doing that, they are able to produce an incredibly high quality show that's much more difficult to pick apart. And that's just because that's how we make TV shows. Look at Game of Thrones. Look at Breaking Bad. 30 years ago, we didn't have TV shows that were like mini movies in the span of, you know, 42 minutes. So it's just times have changed and the quality bar has been greatly raised. So that's all it is. There's one other thing that to take into consideration and it's that um, the first season of Gem is pretty uneven. Uh, it's only once we get into later seasons um, and we get into especially what goes on in the third season. But there's also a lot of second season stuff, too. And then when Rhea shows up, you know, just in the when I started rewatching Gem, when the DVDs came out and then it came on Netflix, and I was able to look at whatever I wanted there are a lot of early episodes that I skip because I'm like, oh, yeah, no, nope, not going to look at that. Nope, nope, nope. But later episodes, there are much fewer ones that I skipped uh, for just being like, no, nah, I don't want to watch that crap again. So we're only on episode 22. Yeah. And, and I, the next episode is going to be so much fun. <laughs> I also want to say that I think all of us are concerned about diversity and inclusivity. And so things like hey, have you noticed that all of the women have the same face shape? That's a thing that's going to come up and we're going to talk about why that's problematic, you know, um, because, again, we're we're viewing it through the lens of our our current time and our interests and not where and who we were in the 80s. Um, and that's that's this. That is what we have. And I think that most of our listeners like it. Yes. I just want Zipper to come back. Oh, my God. I know. Where's Just Zipper? so I can hear that. Hey, love, he's gone. He's in. He's in federal prison. Zipper is. Yeah. Well, with that being said, I, I think that's that's about all we can really say on this topic. Um, yeah, that, that's it. I'm concerned that it sounds like we don't want feedback. We do want. No, we do. Feedback. Yeah, we, thank we you do. for bringing that up. We definitely do. do. Um, it's just that. I mean, I, I think we're just acknowledging and explaining how we're approaching the show and why it is what it is and it's not meant to be like oh this person is a horrible person um i personally felt bad because it, it was like really aimed at me um and i think that kind of came out in my explanation too so i apologize if that's the case but um yeah i'm not i'm not sure why you were singled out because i i i know at least i'll just speak for myself but i know i've been i've been critical and i've picked apart many things in this show i, I picked apart at the critical. very least well, yeah, you, you've been you've been picky too, but I mean, like at the very least, I mean, it seems like almost on a weekly basis, I'm making fun of you know silly stereotypical accents, <laughs> you know. So I mean, there's lots of stuff. I mean, I, I've always 
as far as I remember, I've always advertised this show as a, a, a an analysis show. This isn't a show just to talk about the good parts and talk about our sort of romanticized memories of the show. We every week we rewatch these old episodes. We we write you know detailed notes. I mean, I go through scene by scene and write notes as they happen, and think about well, what what are my thoughts on this particular scene? Why did this person do this? Why did they do that? I mean, so this is an analysis show. So this is just the type of show it is, and th- this is how it's going to continue. So, I mean, but again, like like Aline said, we do want feedback, both negative and positive. And you know, if we get more feedback, of course, we're going to try to address it. And if there's something, it, you know, if there is something that uh, that is unfair. We'll talk about it and f- figure it out. So on that note, Aline, are you a hologram? Yes, I am a hologram today. Yay. Yay. Yep. A grumpy one, but I'm a hologram. And what does that mean to you? I look fabulous and my hair is amazing. Yeah. Speaking of fabulous, I did look at your new Twitter avatar, <laughs> which is very, it is very, very gem in the holograms inspired. Is that Aja? Mm-hmm. It is Aja. Nice. Now, it is Aja. I don't think we've That's talked about amazing. this, but what is it about Aja do you like? Um, it's actually, it's not that she's my favorite character or anything, but I was looking at, I didn't want it to be, so, bleh, bleh, bleh. cut all that out, Alex. So it's not necessarily that I like Aja best, um, but I kind of do this like Twitter Halloween avatar every year um, because I can. And so I was looking, I was like, I've got to do Gem on the Holograms this year. Last year, it was a, a an airbender from Avatar. Um, and this year, I'm like, okay, I got to do, I got to do Gem on the Holograms. And so I was looking, I wanted it to be the 80s cartoon. I didn't want it to be um, the comic, the new comic. And so I basically looked at, at who's facial like makeup i liked the best and went with that and like was most distinctive so if you look at gems she's kind of got like some pink eyeshadow and you know the pink hair or whatever but i wanted i wanted a lot of makeup on my face so <laughs> that's how i how i decided to do aja i, I don't know lean i mean uh, you're you know you're like putting on makeup and dressing up like you know an asian <laughs> character what's next are you gonna put on blackface and so- then try to be <laughs> shana huh huh can you explain yourself i i almost decided i was almost gonna do shana with the with the curly hair and it was it was going to be a thing where it's like yeah no see this is how you do it without being a racist jerk but yeah, you know what? You can just Photoshop, uh, you know, uh, Tempest hair and put it on you. Tempest has amazing hair. Yes. I do try to have amazing hair. Oh, my God. So anyway, yeah, I am Aja. I am a hologram, but maybe not in the way you were you were thinking. Um, and uh, and, and if uh, you want to see that, you can go to Twitter.com slash Aline, A-L-E-E-N, until Halloween. And Aja, uh, where can people read your writing? Uh, I got fireballed today, for those of you who know what that means. Um, you can find my reading at aleanmean.com. Um, and then my podcast, Less Than or Equal, where I talk to cool people about their cool geeky projects. And that's at lessthanorequal.com. Awesome. And Tempest, are you a hologram this week? I am a hologram um, because I don't exist, really. I'm just a collection of pixels on the internet. And how I know that is because this week I went to a reading at a bookstore and um, one of the readers, you know, hugged me and he's like, hey, it's so good to see you. And the person who happened to be sitting next to me was a friend of this guy. 
And she said, oh, my name is Blah. What's yours? I'm like, hi, I'm Tempest. And she said, Tempest? You mean from the internet? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Tempest from the internet. So the one and only. <laughs> clearly, I'm just a hologram collection of pixels flying through space at any one time. Actually, that was like a really beautiful moment. because I was like, yeah, I am from the internet. So here we go. <laughs> um, so that's me. That's that's why I'm a hologram. And where can people find your uh, your amazing holographic work? My amazing holographic work can be found at my website, ktepisbradford.com. And from there, you can find my Twitter and my Tumblr and my Facebook and all my other social media businesses. And the and, Tempest Challenge. You should remind people Tempest about challenge. that. No, no, no. I can't remind people about that this week. Next week, though, there will be so many reminders. Okay. There was there was a plan to do some stuff at the beginning of this month, but that plan got sidetracked by real-life events, um, such as, you know, shootings, which happen far too often. And so I put things on hold for a little bit so that there could be a little bit of calm. So next week, next podcast, you will hear all about the things that I'm doing. But in the meantime, you can go to ktempestbradford.com and look at some stuff. Now I'm concerned that next week you're just going to go and delete my 2,000 words of show notes and just just put in reminders for your, <laughs> Maybe. For your challenge. That might be something I might do. I don't know. I got to write the show power. notes. I got to write the show notes, what was it, two episodes ago? And I am drunk with power. <laughs> They were yes. amazing. I couldn't hey. resist but keep all of your like other commentary, <laughs> like your your ha ha ha, lol, what's going on, like <laughs> like your inside brain thoughts. That's really what it was. I expected you to like just sort of incorporate them into your more detailed notes, but no, just copy paste. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Hey, Alex, are you a hologram? I am a hard light hologram just like mm -hmm. i was last mm -hmm. week and and somebody actually mentioned on our facebook page oh my god it was so cool yeah somebody mentioned that uh well they actually asked if if i was a red dwarf fan and of course i mean i replied to it and said yes and i realized at that moment when i made a reference to star trek i was totally thinking i guess subconsciously in my mind i was thinking of red dwarf because remember a hard light hologram which of course he's said before and uh, so i kind of mixed that up so yes i am a red dwarf fan for anybody who ha is or has been wondering uh are either of you uh, uh red dwarf fans at all i sadly did not watch red dwarf in my youth so no. i well you have to I missed out anyways uh yeah so i am a hologram and you can find my writing on zero distraction Dot com. I'm on Twitter as well at zero distraction as well. Same, same user handle. Uh, I also do another podcast called the impromptu, uh, which is available on iTunes if you search for it. And it's, I have no idea really what our audience's interests are other than Gem and the Holograms, but it's, uh, kind of a show sort of a, about everything that, uh, my co-host Michael and I are interested in from technology to gaming to film critique to all sorts of stuff. So it's just kind of like a, a melting pot of everything we're interested in. So that, that's it for me. If you have a moment, we would sincerely appreciate a rating on iTunes. I think it's been a couple of months since we've had a rating by one of you fine listeners. So if you have been listening to this show and you still haven't done that, please do take a moment to do that. It really helps other people find our show. And that's the goal, right? Collect all the Holograms fans together and get them to listen to us. 
So uh, you can also leave feedback like we talked about earlier. We still are looking for feedback. And you can go to gemcast.tv forward slash contact to do that. And you can also donate if you are feeling um, generous. All donations go towards improving our podcast from software to hardware upgrades. We are entirely listener supported at this point in time. And I think that's it. Oh, and you can follow us on Twitter at Gem Podcast, of course, and talk to us. We're also on Facebook at Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Gem Podcast. And we are now on Google Plus, which I know is, I guess, slowly fading into irrelevancy, but we're on there as it well. It is not. Not if people still care about it. Not if you believe. Slap your hands. I created a custom URL. I think it's like the, whatever Google plus.google.com forward slash I think gem podcast I try to create the same handle anyways all of our stuff gets cross posted there you can talk to us pretty much everywhere on all the social media places that matter at least anyways mm. <laughs> did I miss one what's coming up next week Alex what's coming up next week that is an excellent question and I know I'm the answer time because tell I'm us not I know the answer tell it's us it's a two-parter isn't it yes the next episodes are the Gem Jam parts one and two. And let me tell you. Right. This is that oh. two-parter where Jem uh, obsesses over making uh, strawberry jam. And uh, she starts a new business. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. That was the B plot. That was <laughs> strawberry. That that was the rejected plot. Oh, why would she do strawberry? Jam. But no, I'm very excited. And see, the Gem Jam is actually one of my favorite favorite episodes like no lie it is an episode that i i love so much but partly because of many of its cheesy elements so we're going to be talking about those cheesy elements but i will also spend a lot of time doing my 12 year old michael jackson moves it's gonna be great and you said it's one of your favorite uh two-part episodes or just in general it's oh just it's one of my favorites in general okay. well it was it was actually written by christy mark so that says something it's gonna be great i'm excited so am i and that's it for now. Show's over, Synergy.